up, Sassnacks. It's Chelsea back for another episode of the Sassnack Files. This week, I'm discussing 406, Blood of My Blood. But before we get into that, I want to take a moment to remind you guys that you can find the Sassnack Files on all sorts of listening platforms, including iTunes, CastBox, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, and many more. Also, if you have not had a chance yet, make sure you head over to follow the Sassanac Files on both Facebook and Instagram to make sure you're getting all of the latest and greatest news concerning Outlander Season 6 and 7 and Diana Gabaldon's newest book, Go Tell the Bees That I'm Gone. And with all of that out of the way, let's get into my analysis of 406, Blood of My Blood. Blood of my blood, guys. Let's go. It's so strange because, like I've talked about before, these episode titles always kind of have a deeper meaning, much like the chapter titles of Diana Gabaldon's books. And blood of my blood is not a new phrase, right? We've heard it over and over again, but it kind of takes on a new meaning in this episode because previously when we've heard that phrase, it has very much been Jamie and Claire talking about their bond and their promise and their vow to one another to live as blood of my blood and bone of my bone as long as we both shall live. This time we're talking about Jamie's reference whenever the Cherokee are about to kill William and he says, he's my son, his blood is my blood. And so we're talking about Jamie's son in this instance and how his child, no matter whether he knows it or not, is still Jamie's responsibility. He's still Jamie's son. So it's more so about their bond, both genetically and emotionally in this episode. And so I thought it was a very clever thing because for somebody to just see that title, they wouldn't necessarily think that this episode was all about William Ransom, Ninth Earl of Ellesmere, right? They would think that it was about Jamie and Claire. So I love that title. So let's get into the big ticket items of today. It kind of really just drops us in the middle, right? It picks up with John showing up at Fraser's Ridge and we're like, what the hell? Kind of having the same reaction that Jamie has. What are you doing in the back country? <laughs> because Virginia is some ways north, John. <laughs> I love the relationship between John and Jamie, and for most of books four through six, um, I think it's six, yeah, John and Jamie's relationship is pretty much limited to the letters they pass back and forth, with the exception of this scene or this series of events that take place over the course of season four, episode six. So it was a very special time in Drums of Autumn for me. I absolutely love seeing Jamie with his son, even if Willie doesn't recognize that Jamie is his father. Um, It was very touching because we know that Jamie knows. So it kind of amplifies every reaction that Jamie is having to every encounter with William in this episode. And this episode is really about William. We don't really know that much about him. The only instance we've seen of Willie so far in this series is in Of Lost Things, when he was born and all the way up until Jamie left Hellwater and he was six years old. 
So this episode is a good learning opportunity for us to kind of dip our toes into the pool of the character of Willie because he does become a more prominent character as the series goes on. So it's very interesting to see where they start us out. And especially um, I remember thinking that William was a spoiled little brat. I didn't like his character. He grows on you. Let's just say that. Um, I'm not going to say how or why, but he does grow on you. And I think that we even start to see that growth a little bit in this episode, which is good. We don't really know that much about him other than that he's entitled, he's an orphan, um, he's being raised by Isabel, which is his aunt, and John, which is his uncle by marriage. Whenever I was thinking about all of this, side note... I couldn't help but see the similarities between John and Frank in this episode. I mean, think about it. They're both raising children of Jamie Fraser because they don't have any biological children themselves. This is probably the only opportunity that either one of them is going to get to have a family of any sort, to have an impact on a child. And so John with Willie and Frank with Bree. They're both such amazing men, if you think about it, that they willingly put themselves into this situation for the love of the child and for the love of the parents. So with Frank, it was his love of Claire and then eventually his love of Bree. For John, it was his love of Jamie and then eventually his love of William. And we can see that in that conversation that John has with Claire when she says, when you said you have nothing of Jamie, you were wrong because you have William. And he just has this little smile on his face. You can tell he is so fond of this little boy. And rightly so. Like He's so much like Jamie. And I'm sure it reminds John every day of, of him. I just saw those similarities. And it made me, made me feel all warm and cozy inside. Because to see that all of Jamie's children have this influence of these very good father figures in their lives, it really makes me feel some relief, I guess. And I'm sure that it helps Jamie, too, to know that they had good influences on them, that they were shaped and molded by men that had a good head on their shoulders and a good heart. So, yeah, I'm glad that I never I never saw the the parallels between John and Frank. I mean, but they're definitely there for sure. But anyway, back on track. Um, We get to know Willie a little bit in this episode, and I think he's a bit of a mystery for a lot of it. Because this poor kid, I mean, his biological mother and father have already died before he was born or shortly thereafter. So really all he has is Isabel and John and his grandparents. His grandparents are are extremely elderly. At this point in the books, I think Lord Dunsany has already passed. Um, it doesn't happen in the show for quite some time, but... Um, In the books, I think it's already happened. So he just has his grandmother and Isabel, his aunt, is serving as his mother. And then she passes away on the journey over to Jamaica to be with John. So Willie's scarred from this experience. You can really tell that it has had a massive impact on him. And how could it not? Because he probably watched her waste away under the care of ignorant people who didn't really have any idea of what good medicine was like. And now here he is potentially going to um, witness his father suffer a similar fate. So that really doesn't sit right with him. And I'm sure that like, I can really sympathize with him because 
that would be absolutely terrible, especially at such a young age to experience that. And I think that's probably why he has such a negative reaction to leeches or anything resembling leeches, because I'm sure that that was one of the first methods of treatment for Isabel was to bleed her with leeches. So I'm sure that was scarring for Willie. And then to see them on his own skin, is he's just like, um, no. Even at the mention of putting a worm on his hook by Jamie when they're fishing, he's like, I prefer to fish with a fly. So we can see that aversion to leeches already taking shape. And I'm guessing that's why. I don't know for sure that that's the case, but it just seems logical to me for that to happen. As we watch Willie in this episode, he kind of starts to shed his outer layers, I guess, and we start to see the kid underneath that has insecurities. You can tell he's been taught to toughen up, and I think that was very key to the culture of raising a child in the 18th century was they had to learn to be tough because the world was tough. And so there wasn't really room for emotions in the 18th century. And I think that that's kind of what we're witnessing with Willie is that he feels like he needs to not show emotion and have a hard exterior. Whenever John becomes ill and Jamie's trying to take him from the house, he's like, I'm not leaving. And we start to see that he's very loyal. He's extremely loyal to a fault almost. He's independent and brave, very courageous. He's smart and he loves extremely deeply, which I think it's just a perfect storm really of he has Jamie's passion and fire in him and Whenever Jamie's talking to Claire about how much he's changed since he last saw him, you know, they're talking about how different he is. But then Jamie's like, but he still has that same cock to his head and that familiar fire in his eyes. So some things, no matter how much a child changes as they grow, some things never change. And I think that's what Jamie is seeing there as well. I think whenever Jamie and Willie are bonding this entire time, William has a lot of questions about why Jamie left the way that he did. He put two and two together that Jamie was Mackenzie the groom, but he doesn't really have a lot of answers as to why Jamie didn't acknowledge that he remembered him. But we can tell that this is something that has stuck with William for all of this time, that he has all of these questions. And finally, after the whole incident with the Cherokee, he asks Whenever you left Hellwater, I ran to you, but you didn't look back at me. Why didn't you look back at me? And Jamie said, I wanted to, but I didn't want to give you hope because I never intended to see you again. And this almost contented smile comes onto onto Willie's face because it's like he had this insecurity that he wasn't good enough and that Jamie didn't care enough to look back at him like it didn't matter that much to him that William was just this random kid so to know that Jamie did really care about him and that it hurt him as much as it hurt Willie to leave I think that mattered a lot to him and it it kind of let the last of those walls come down with William I think that throughout this episode it's really a struggle for Jamie to find a way to connect with his son 
because they've spent so much time apart that it seems nearly impossible to bridge that gap. At the same time, Jamie wants to have some sort of impact on William, and that's natural. He doesn't want to just be some other person to Willie. He wants to be a person that imparts wisdom and shows him the ways of the world. And so I think that Jamie tries very hard to do that. We see an example of it when they're hunting the deer. William was going to shoot the deer, and Jamie says, stand down. It's too far away for a rifle. He said, well, I could have injured it. And Jamie looks at him and says, and made it suffer. We shoot to kill. It's a great lesson. It's something that children in my area are taught because hunting is a big thing that you don't shoot at an animal unless you know you can kill it because basically it's going to die anyway, but it may run off and it may just suffer until it dies. And that's no way to like that's inhumane. We don't do that. But also, just in general, William seems curious about life in the new world. I think Jamie kind of knocks him off of his high horse a little bit when he expects William to help dress the deer. And he's like, um, no, that's for a servant to do. And Jamie's like, "Mm, here in the new world, if you want to eat, you dress the deer. So those were all very good, very cute scenes between them. Likewise, while all of this is going on, we have the scenes between John and Claire, which I think are probably some of the most powerful scenes in this episode. As much as I love talking about Jamie and Willie and how much I love seeing them together, that's not the meat of this episode. The meat of this episode is when we're talking about John and Claire in a brutally honest couple of conversations wherein they talk about John and his character and his motivations. And I think that Claire is the perfect person to have this with him because she is neither circuitous nor circumspect, as John puts it, a rather remarkable woman. And she doesn't even see that in herself. But especially by 18th century standards, when women just sit in the corner and do their needlepoint, Claire really is remarkable. By having two of our rather honest and good-natured, good-hearted protagonists in the same room, we get some really truthful conversations. We find out that when Isabel died, John didn't really feel anything. And I'm sure that that really made him question himself. Like, why am I not feeling the level of heartbreak that I should feel at the loss of my wife. And I don't think necessarily that it's he didn't feel anything. It's just that he didn't feel it as deeply as he felt he should have given William's level of grief. He felt that he should have been showing more emotion. That was one of the reasons that he came and saw Jamie, because he knows that if he was going to feel anything for anyone ever, it was going to be Jamie. The horrible part about it is is that by going and seeing Jamie, it's literally just him torturing himself because he knows that Jamie is content and happy with Claire. And that's what he said. It's it's horrible. Oh, it's so hard to see you two together. Almost making Claire feel guilty, which I'm like, bro, what are you doing? Like, it's not her fault that you love her husband. (laughs) So I kind of felt bad for Claire in that instance. Also with John, you know, well, I could have had him if I wanted him in exchange for being father to Willie or whatever. Like Claire was horrified 
Um, not necessarily because of John and his homosexuality. That's not what horrifies her. I think she's a very accepting and loving person, no matter your creed, color, or sexual tendencies. It's just, it's not in her to be disgusted or homophobic or whatever. It's just not who she is. But I think knowing Jamie's aversion to that, not necessarily because he doesn't like gay people. Like, that's not what it's about for Jamie. What it's about is that the notion of homosexuality is forever linked with his experience to Black Jack Randall and what happened to him at Wentworth. That's the hard part for Jamie. It's not that John likes men. It's him trying to reconcile what happened to him in season one with someone like John who has no intention of hurting a fly. He just loves Jamie for who he is. So I think that that above anything, like Claire knows for Jamie to have made an offer like that, it had to be some extreme circumstance. And I think the fact that Jamie never shared that with her above anything is why she reacted the way that she did. But in this conversation, we also get... Claire confronting John and being like, why are you here? Like, let me ask you something. If your son takes a good look at Jamie and realizes that Jamie is his biological father, how do you think he's going to fare? Like, do you really think that coming to Fraser's Ridge to satisfy your own curiosity about yourself and your emotions was the best decision given what's at stake here? I mean, Claire knows. I mean, look at how Brianna reacted when she found out that Jamie was her father and not Frank. Claire knows on a deep level what is at risk here. And she's asking John, is it really worth it? Why are you here? And he says, well, isn't it obvious I'm here to allow Jamie to see the boy? And Claire says, or it could be the other obvious, you're here to let yourself see Jamie. Which one's the full and honest truth? I don't think it's one or the other. I think it's probably a bit of both. Yes, John wanted to see Jamie so bad, especially when he's going through such a tough situation with the loss of Isabel and now becoming a single parent. That has to be a rough situation. And John would naturally gravitate towards wanting to see his best friend and the love of his life. I can't really blame John for having that want and need to to be with Jamie. But I can also see where Claire's coming from in that if William discovers that Jamie is his father and that he has been lied to his entire life, that's not going to end up well at all. It's a very interesting conundrum that John has put himself in. But above all, what I found most interesting about the whole set of conversations that John and Claire have is that we find out that John is not necessarily jealous of Claire because she's with Jamie. I think that is certainly part of it, that she has Jamie and John never will. But it's like John says, it's a truth to which I'm reconciled that he's come to grips with. But what he's most jealous of is the look of satisfaction on Claire's face. John doesn't know what it's like to be content and happy like that, to be complete in himself because of 
the companionship of another person. And he longs for that. I mean, I think it's what we all long for. But to have him be completely honest with Claire and say, it's not that you have him and I never will. It's that I want to have that look of satisfaction on my face. I want to feel that completeness that you have. And I love that at the end of this episode, Claire says, don't give up because you too deserve the look of satisfaction on your face. I think that is when we can officially consider John and Claire friends because up until this point, it's been very standoffish. Claire had her misconceptions about John and John had his misconceptions about Claire. And they both believed what they wanted to believe about the other person because it was more comfortable for them to feel that than to admit that their assumptions may not be true. And so I think that this episode with them in such close proximity with no one else for company really forced them to confront those assumptions and realize that they weren't truthful, that what they thought they knew about the other person was in no way, shape, or form a completely accurate account. So I really love that about the John and Claire relationship. They had a lot of growth this episode. Moving on to yet another one of the many relationships that we have in this episode. I said before that I love the relationship between John and Jamie because it's not demanding. It's an unconditional friendship that the two of them have. They can literally ask each other anything, tell each other anything, and they will always be there for each other. And I love that kind of relationship that doesn't have any strings attached. It just is what it is, and it's absolutely beautiful. One thing that I found so interesting about this episode was the line that Jamie has to walk between John and Myrta, because it used to be that Jamie's relationship with Myrta was that way. This unquestioning, unconditional loyalty between Jamie and Myrta, that the other came first for each of them, and that nothing else was as important as that. And I can't say necessarily in this episode that that is the case anymore between Jamie and Myrta. I mean, yes, they still have this bond and this love for each other, but Myrta is a very different person from the Myrta we knew in seasons one and two. I think Jamie realizes that a little bit more in this episode, more so than he did in the last one. Because when Myrta shows back up, and John is in the cabin talking to Jamie, and they're like, oh, John's like, it's a reunion. Myrta promises that he will not mention to William the circumstances of how Myrta, John, and Jamie know each other, i.e. he's not going to mention that John was once a warden at Ardsmere. That's something that when Myrta makes a promise, it's a promise. He's not going to divulge any information that John doesn't want known because he promised and then we get to the dinner scene where John is inadvertently pushing all the wrong buttons with Myrta. And I can see where John's coming from. And Jamie has a tendency to feel the same way. Is like, Myrta, what the hell are you doing with this regulator business? Obviously, John knows by the end of this discussion that Myrta is a regulator. But out of his loyalty for Jamie, he would never, ever say anything to try on about it, ever. Which I 100% appreciate because, like I said, friends like that don't grow on trees. They really don't. 
But I just love the side looks that Jamie and Claire are giving Murta because he's just getting so worked up when John is casually mentioning, oh, yeah, um, Tryon let us stay with him at his new palace in New Bern. And Murta's like, oh, so he's building a palace. Where's the money coming from? Any stories of regulators are exaggeration and falsehood and that by all accounts, the governor is the one that is unreasonable and dangerous making things very plain that Myrta is on the side of the regulators and John looks at him and says, have you not fared well in the new world? Like, my God, man, do you want to go back to prison? John's just at a loss and Jamie and Claire keep looking at Myrta like, what are you doing? Like, you cannot behave this way. Are you kidding me? It's just extremely, it's hard to reconcile the two versions of Myrta, the one that we know versus the one that we have now. And so later, when Myrta finds out that William is Jamie's son, Jamie's a bit antsy about it because he literally just watched Myrta go back on his word with John. And he's like, you can't say a word of this to anybody. If anyone were to find out, Willie would lose all that he had. His reputation would be ruined. And Myrta says, you don't need to worry about me keeping your secrets. I've kept them each and every one. But then when he asks, does Claire know? And Jamie says, yes. Myrta just rolls his eyes, picks up his firewood and says, well, perhaps when you find the time, you can tell me about his mother, unless that's a secret as well. And walks off. And I'm like, what? He literally expects Jamie to tell him everything before Claire. And I'm like, dude, he just found out. Just found out that you were still alive and kicking and in the North Carolina area like two or three weeks ago. You've got to be kidding me. I was a bit put out by Myrta in this episode, in case you haven't guessed. I mean, most of the time I'm okay with his presence. But in this episode in particular, I really didn't get the benefit of his presence in the show because he replaced young Ian that young Ian was supposed to be there and all of these scenes at the cabin with John having the measles and everything it was supposed to be expository material for what happens later in the series and now none of that is there because Myrta was there and I don't even really see the point of Myrta being there I was a bit iffy on this one this was one of the iffy parts for me but yeah seeing the fine line that Jamie is walking between John and Myrta really just makes me antsy and it's like a plot on the small scale of what Jamie goes through in the entirety of season five because Jamie's torn between his loyalty to both of these men and when Myrta asks him to betray his friendship with John to basically play the role of the spy and gain information literally at the time that this is going on with Myrta asking Jamie to do this Claire is having the opposite conversation with John in, are you here to spy on us? Because Jamie already gave Tryon his word that he would help quell any unrest. Like, why are, why are you here? So this is the conversation that John and Claire are having at the same time that Myrta is trying to instigate Jamie into spying on John and gleaning any information he can for the regulator cause when Jamie has already made it perfectly plain that he's not going to try to stop Myrta from being a regulator but that he's out he's not putting his hands into that mess and so that really just 
really rubbed me the wrong way. And I think it did with Jamie as well. But he was like, what are you doing? I'm not doing this at all. Like, just stop. Don't even ask me. So I thought that was a very interesting conundrum that Jamie's been put in for sure. But the way that this episode wraps up is a really goodie because in Outlander, the book, the wedding ring that Jamie gives Claire is this gorgeous silver ring in the Highland interlaced style with little thistles on it. And we didn't get that in season one in lieu of Jamie having Claire's ring fashioned out of his key to Lollybrock, which is a very romantic sentiment. But again, not what happened in the books. So I'm sorry for all of you guys that are non-book readers. It's fine. I'm not saying that the way that you're doing it is wrong. I'm just saying that the snowball effects are coming down the pipe. But this was a course correction, and I was very proud of them, that we finally, finally get the gorgeous ring that Jamie gave Claire, and it really is beautiful. So good job, Myrta. It's a gorgeous piece of jewelry. So I was so glad to see that. That scene between Jamie and Claire at the end where he's bathing her is so precious. To see how much he loves and adores her and is willing to take care of her, it just warms my heart so much. Every time I get any scenes like this, it just makes me all warm and fuzzy inside. With all of that, that's about all I have to say on this episode. Short, sweet, to the point. Performance of the episode for me was Katrina Balfe because she really did a great job, especially with all of those conversations with David Barry. I really, on a deep level, felt all of those conversations. It was great. I thought they both did a phenomenal job. Quote of the episode is from one of those phenomenal scenes when Lord John says, do you know what it's like to love someone and never be able to give them happiness through no fault of yours or theirs, but simply because you're not born the right person for them? I love it. (laughs) I don't really know what to say other than that, because it's a situation that really draws on John and Claire and how similar they are to one another. And I think that was the moment that I was like, oh, my God, John and Claire have so much in common. It's really remarkable, to be honest, and I'm sure that this isn't lost on Diana, right? I'm sure that this was done intentionally. But yeah, Claire knows what that feels like. And I think that's part of what helps her understand John and come to terms with who he is as a person. Because it's not that John didn't care about Isabel. It's just that he loves Jamie. And that's just who he is as a person. And Claire knows what that feels like. It's not that she didn't care about Frank, but she loved Jamie. So I think more than anything, that is the tie that binds John and Claire. And as the series progresses, we see that more and more. So yeah, that's my quote of the episode. All right, that wraps up my thoughts on 406, Blood of My Blood. But as always, I opened it up to the masses to see what you guys have to say about this week's episode. So without further ado, let's get into listener comments. Angela Hickey says, one of my favorite episodes of season four, but a few things bugged me. 
One, not a fan of the actor for Willie and really hoping they don't use him for grown-up Willie. Absolutely, girl. I I was not a fan of him. Like, I can see why they cast him, but yeah, same. Really hoping they're, they're going to go a different road whenever they cast older William. And two, the absence of Ian in this episode is a huge mistake. And the only reason it happened was so they could have Myrta all up in the episode. Add that to the stack of things in their choice with that character, Myrta, I mean, wrecked for the story trajectory. Young Ian meeting Willie there and realizing who he is in that moment was important beat to their arc. Agreed. Yeah, that's going to be huge. Three, not thrilled with the choice to have Willie recognize Jamie as Mac either. See, that's the one thing that I disagree with you about, Angela. I really liked that. I really liked that he recognized Jamie. I get that that's going to complicate things later, but yeah, I did I did really like that moment. Angela continues to say, I did really enjoy Jamie and his interactions with Willie in this one, and definitely John and Claire. That episode was very important for their overall arc. Absolutely. I'm so excited to see where all of these relationships go in the future, for sure. Kathleen Kosel says, Willie is the result of being raised by Lord John, and while we would like to think that Willie would have the traits of his real father, truth is the nurture has trumped the nature aspect of this child. I think the young actor has a mature role to play and does it very well. As far as Claire's conversation with Lord John, this series explores human love of many types. I feel Lord John is really living a lie, which he had to due to the extreme hatred for homosexual males at the time. And that lie has taken its toll. John perceives Claire as a modern type intellectual woman who may understand his love for Jamie. It's hard for anyone to hear, us included, knowing what Jamie has suffered at the hands of many men who have found him irresistible. But Claire handles it well. After all, this is all part of her makeup. She takes on other people's burdens. She really does. And I think that's one of the big things that Claire and Jamie have in common is that they naturally shoulder the burdens of other people. And I think that's a bonding point for them. Good point, Kathleen. Love it. Sandy Viglione Corsi says, As far as Willie, I understand how he was brought up, but I did see the Jamie in him when he went to save Jamie. He's brave and honest. He's a very good young actor. I liked the honesty between Claire and Lord John, but I don't think he should have told her that Jamie offered himself to him. I feel Claire understood, and she is so secure with her and Jamie's love that he is no threat to her. Yeah, that was the one point in this conversation with John that I was like, oh, don't know that that needed to be brought up. I don't really know what the point of it was for John. And I get that he was like super fevered and you don't always make sense in your line of thinking. And that's what Claire told him. But he's right. It's really no excuse because that's a moment that was between him and Jamie they don't necessarily know that Claire needed to know that, especially if Jamie didn't bother to tell her, which may have been the point for John, that there are th things between him and Jamie that Claire doesn't know about. It may have just been a kind of a little stab, but I don't really see John as that kind of character. So that was definitely interesting for me. Still trying to piece that one together. Last comment of the night is for Baglier Ronald. They say, not a great fan of Willie, but that has nothing to do with acting. I would have thought he would be a bit larger boned and more brawl. Other than that, he comes across to me exactly as I would expect a child being raised in an aristocratic home and environment. He is a lord, and having that drilled into him by his grandparents and parents as well as being treated as such by the servants, it's to be expected. He expects to be treated as such. 
As for Lord John and Claire, I felt these difficult emotional scenes were done well, portraying a chance for these two people who fiercely love Jamie to come to terms with their feelings and find a bit of common ground between them. A calling of a truce, as it were. That said, jealousy is a fickle thing. People handle jealousy and insecurity differently. And while some of us would say, what does Claire have to be jealous about because she has Jamie and John will be hundreds of miles away after he leaves, so what's the problem? But that's not the point, in my opinion. When it comes to matters of the heart, anyone who enters into intimate territory between us and our significant other is an unwelcome intruder to be shown the door. I'm going to pause in your comment because I have to say... This is 100% the case. And I love that John tries to insinuate that he has something between him and Jamie that Claire doesn't have in the raising of a child. And I love that Claire comes back with, no, 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 hold your horses because I have this exact same thing with Jamie and that I too raised his daughter and that we weren't allowed to be together either. So I understand where you're coming from. And for you to think that you have something with him that I do not have, you're wrong. Slow your roll. Back up, sir. The comment continues, Kat and the script writers handle this scene the way Claire sees fit, and it matches Claire's persona, in my opinion. I remember reading something someone said in a thread a while back where they thought Jamie was flaunting Lord John and Claire's face and humiliating her. Having read as far as I have, I'm in book five now, I don't see anything in the writing or in the series to speak to it. Maybe I missed something? I'm also wondering if we'll ever get the backstory on Lord John and how he came to the conclusion of his own sexuality. It would clear some things up for me. As it is right now, Lord John in the series and somewhat in the books feels like a utility character when he's really a lot more than that and thus deserves a bit more real estate on the page and on the screen in my opinion. Jamie considers him a trusted friend and ally, and Lord John has played critical roles with not only Jamie's son, but with Jamie's daughter, and saving Jamie from being shipped back to England to stand trial. Sorry for the long post, smiley face. As far as John being a utility character, I know I read some of the comments that are on the thread as well for your comment. He's not. And I think it was just a matter for Diana of getting his story to a point where they could start to weave it in and have it make sense. So I would highly recommend the Lord John books. If you're wanting more info into who John is as a character, 100% read those. And I would honestly recommend doing that before you go on to book seven, because starting in book seven is where John's story starts to get a bit more entwined in the big books. So if you want all of the background information, I would read the Lord John books. They're pretty quick reads compared to the main series. They're actually pretty tiny. I think the biggest one is like 300 pages. So they don't take long to read, but they are very good background information for John and for his relationship with Jamie. Alrighty, guys, that wraps up listener comments. And with that, I'm going to bid you adieu for this episode. I am officially on hiatus starting this week. No idea when I'll be back because I'm in the middle of writing a book. (laughs) We're in the editing process, but it's taking a lot out of me doing these podcasts and editing. So I will not be back until the book is finished. I promised my editor, so I've got to hold tight to it. But when I come back in a few weeks, we will be talking 407 down the rabbit hole. And here we go. Like we're about to hit the top of the roller coaster and just go screaming down through the track. So it's going to be good whenever I get back. I promise I will be back eventually. So yeah, until then, you guys stay safe out there and I will chat at you later. Bye. Bye.